Hello, this is Yemi Majekudumi from Widow Recovery Secrets. This is series two of the Conversations with Widows, Witty Conversations to encourage you today. Today I've got um, the lovely Divya, who is an accountant, a beautiful mother. She loves reading books. She's a foodie as well. So we're going to go into our questions today. I'm so happy to have you here today. I think it's an opportunity for to encourage other widows. And I think it's quite therapeutic as well to just share our journeys. So can you just tell us a bit about yourself? How long have you been widowed? And who is Divya? I am 34 years of age. Yeah. Um, and all about myself. So obviously, I mean, gave a really good introduction. Um, but I am 34 years of age. I have a son with my late husband. Yeah. Um, my husband and I were friends since we were 13 years of age. So that's uh, 20 years. But um, we only um, got together at 24. And we got married at 28. And had a beautiful baby boy by the time we were 31. Okay. So he's uh, hitting three years. Um, unfortunately, I uh, lost my husband a year and a half ago from leukemia which is a blood cancer. Mm. He got diagnosed on the 17th of March in 2020 during the um, COVID pandemic. And after the first round of chemo, which was of uh, two weeks, he went into septic shock, reacted badly to the chemotherapy, was put into ICU. And a week after that, he passed away in an induced coma. It was quite shock suddenly, basically. It was very sudden. And just for the audience, she's obviously, Divya is a young widow, really, compared to... We get different ages of widow, but she's very young. She became widowed quite young. So I think it's another perspective we're hearing from a younger person's perspective. So I could relate. It's it's such a lovely relationship to have known someone when you were so young, because I can relate to that. Because I met my late husband when I, when I was 21 and he was 23. So we were together for around 37 years. It's a long time. You know, but it's a special relationship. And we don't, you don't necessarily, it's not something you would forget. Even though when you do decide to move on, would you? It's just something special, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's something special. Yeah. Uh, growing up together, you learn a lot about each other. And getting married is a very big commitment, but yes, yeah. I had no fear because you've already built up a friendship bond over so many years, and then getting married was just like the icing on the cake. You fall in love, and yeah. it's amazing. It's an amazing mm, journey. It is. Yeah. yeah, but you're still standing today to encourage us today. So, so we're gonna go on to the next question. So, could you mention three solutions you've implemented to deal with three personal challenges you've had since being widowed? Um, so three, three things that I would definitely recommend is that ask for help. Help is something that sometimes it's very difficult to ask for help. Um, if you lean on your support system, which is your family, your friends, um, they are an incredible support. Obviously they have no idea what you're going through. They don't know how to support you and you probably don't have to support yourself, but <clears throat> the relationships that have been built since loss, yes. since his loss, has been uh, monumental to mm. my recovery, yeah. to my healing process. Um, 
I've got stronger with um, his parents, yes. my in-laws. Yes. I, res- I respect them so much because um, when I was going through this, um, I was isolating in hospital with him during chemotherapy and I had no one to look after my child, yes, yes. who was under two, who was one and a half at that time. Um, obviously, um, being um, a young mum, mm. uh, I was quite torn between both sets, but uh, I mean, obviously, your husband and your own child, your first child. Um, but my in-laws stepped in, they moved into our house, they looked after our, our child while he was undergoing chemotherapy. So I feel like I've got a lot of respect for all the people that were here to support my child, both sets of parents, um, all my friends who were bringing food um, to them, to, to us after it happened. Um, so I think lean on your support system, that's very, very important. Um, even if they just come and just sit with you for a few minutes, obviously because during COVID you, we have restrictions, so it's not like I could go out or go out and meet friends. Everything was closed, and um, so they just used to come in the garden, um, open space. I still continue to have all these special people in my life right now, and also in my son's life. I may not understand the loss of a, like as a, from a parent's perspective, but their love, the love I have for them, has definitely grown stronger. The second thing is obviously death is inevitable. We all have limited time together. So it's, it's just gratitude in terms of making everyday count. So always count your blessings. Be grateful for everything we have. And we're still here in this life right now, in this um, universe. So I think it's more gratitude yeah. thing that yes, yeah. comes alongside it. Yeah. Um, I've learned now that as much as I can lean on family and friend support, um, being a single mum, I've grown up a lot. I've learned how to manage household, learn to fix things in the house. Like, for, for example, broken boiler, what do I do? Who do I call? I've, I mean, as growing up, my parents looked after me. Like, they sheltered me from all these things. Um, in the Asian family, generally the girls are looked after. And I guess, <clears throat> I guess with this is that I've, I've become a role model for my son in that way. So I see it like that, that I'm growing as a person, I'm managing everything. But um, I think taking on more responsibility has been a good strength. Like it's pushed me forward um, and saying that I can do attitude where I can get through this, I can do this. That's really important as well. So would you say it's made you more confident? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, definitely more confident, more stronger. I think... In, in the face of trauma and a traumatic event and a loss of um, a spouse, is, um, it can really hit you to the core. Mm-hmm. It can really, uh, uh, you can lose your identity, you can lose yourself as a person. I think it's also the mindset that you think, okay, I have a child who needs me. He needs a parent. Um, he, just because he's lost one doesn't mean he you know, should lose another. It's not fair based on the circumstances of what happened when it wasn't fair. That we are where we are, mm. um, but you can only move forward and grow from that. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, because I can relate to. I mean, what I found interesting. One of the things you said is, you more or less united. One positive thing that's come out of the pain is he actually united you all as a family. Brought you stronger together, because you all had to support each other one way, which is a very positive. And yes. the issue around identity, and even for your son. It's actually brought the extended family closer to him as well. So that's amazing, yes. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah. I, I know I've met people who some widows who've said um they didn't have that, and sometimes the location. So there's an advantage to having to be have them in proximity as well, isn't it? Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then sometimes some families seem not to get on as well. So it's just amazing. Every the dynamics of every case is so different, isn't it? Yeah, I think it helps because I had a relationship with them before I got married. Yeah. So because we've been friends for so many years and I already had a relationship with them beforehand, mm. before all this happened, mm. before marriage, it was, it's it's strong bonds that have gone even more stronger, which is amazing. Mm. Okay, I'm going to just ask you the next one. So this is a, what have you become a master at since you're lost? And could you convert this to a stream of income? Ah. Yeah, I think you've asked me this before. I think it's more the fact that I've learned how to think outside the box rather than just one stream of income. Mm. It's it's a constant thought process for myself. Um, how can I make more money? Or how can I um, improve my chance of quality of life or standard of living? Yeah. Um, I, I'm constantly thinking about this, how I can do this. Um, obviously, with accountancy, there's... There's a, you know, there's a certain way to do certain things, but obviously having a business plan or some sort of other stream of income would be ideal. Mm-hmm. I'm still working on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have thought of like branching out, um, buying new properties, um, you know, just not sitting on one house and just maybe buying a flat or buying a smaller house, downsizing, renting this house out because it's quite a big space for just me and one child. It's yeah. more like a family home. So there are other options. I, mm. I have long, lots of options, yes. investments. Because from a finance background, this is the kind of thing I'll branch into, something that I've already know, mm. so I'm aware of. Yeah. Um, but obviously with the markets right now, it's a bit difficult to do that. Yeah, and I'm then... waiting to see. Sorry. And your son, yeah. your son needs to grow up a bit more anyway. When he becomes a bit more yeah, no. older, you, you become freer as well. So... You're doing yeah. a very good job because once they when they're under five, it's a huge job in itself. But when they're five, you do notice that they've grown up a little bit because they start going to proper yeah. school, and that frees you up more as well compared to when they're in nursery. You know, so yeah, that's yeah. Okay. yeah so just planning, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> but I hope it's not stressing you out because when we talk about streams of income, streams of income don't have to mean now. It could be something to plan in the future. That's why I yeah. was like when I first became widow, I wasn't thinking of streams. I was just thinking of how I could cut my budget down to to be able to live within my means at the moment and yeah. manage my grief. But later, yeah. as my children got stronger and I got stronger, I could see where I could branch into other things or see it would help me to be self-employed rather than be going out of the house all the time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So what purpose would you say you found out of loss? What gain or... People say there's always gain out of pain. It's a word, it's a phrase. We do not want to have pain, but it happens in the world we live in. So what is the silver lining for you from all this? I think the silver lining is that I'm more empathetic, I'm more compassionate, I'm more understanding. Um, My thinking is very different. Um, I try and place myself in other people's situations Mm. to understand why they say the things they say. Also, I think I've become more family-orientated. I wasn't very family-orientated before, okay. but I've become more family-orientated because I've realised that my support system is my family and my friends. Mm. I've become more grateful, more appreciative of certain people who have been there for me through my worst times. 
and I put more effort into those relationships rather than other people who just um, sidelined and moved away. Mm. So I think my um, what I've learned is how to be a better person in a way. Mm. Yeah. And it's interesting you said that because in mental health, from my experience, we found that the more support system you have, the more people recover quickly. Besides within mental, besides in anything we go through, whatever challenge we have in our lives, it's not so much the challenge, it's how we manage it. But the more you can have support, the more there's a higher chance of you recovering very quickly. Whilst those that were very isolated were, were, were healed for very long periods of time because of there's no cohesion in the family to come together to support so it's lovely to come from a setting where there's family ties and siblings and all of that. It's very, very crucial. You know, in the good times and in the bad times. But as you say, many times when it only, it only takes adversity for us sometimes to see that those ties were always there, but now they, you, you, you tap into them. And we thank God for yeah. that, yeah. So what are the three... You might have touched this already anyway, but what are the three okay. factors that keep you inspired that make you wake up in the morning and go, I'm going to keep going, I'm going to be bold, no matter what I feel. What are those three inspirations? I, I, I guess, like, I mean, I still have waves. They mm. they happen, leading up to anniversaries, birthdays, because we're, we're a similar age, two weeks apart, so birthdays and number of things are quite difficult. It's always the anticipation leading to the event. So um, sometimes I write notes to myself, sometimes I do voice notes sometimes I I guess the inspiration for me is more my child um because he needs his mum or sound mind and body mm. um and I guess because I have a dependent on me um I feel like I have to carry on I have I have to do it for him because it, it's difficult but I know my husband wouldn't want me to you know not bring him up the right way in, in terms of that, like obviously there's sadness, there will be grief when I have that conversation with him. But right now, his upbringing is so important. These are the crucial ages uh, from one and a half, two to three, like all this sort of ages is, is crucial. Um, he will pick up, like he's a sponge. He picks up everything I say, everything I do. So um, I guess being a good role model is uh, ideal in that yes. sense. Yes. It's the yeah. same with um, his parents, my parents, my both sets of siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone is fully aware that there will be sadness, but we have to carry on. We have to carry on for him. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's one inspiration. Another is the willpower, the willpower to not let this grief take over and take over my life. Because yes, it happened, it was traumatic. But there's nothing I can do about it. It's not in your hands. There's, that's the one thing I... As much as, like, you get sadness, you have grief, you've got waves, you cry, you have to let all these emotions out. Mm. But ultimately, there is nothing I can physically done. There is nothing in my power mm. to do something about it that I can't... But the only thing I can do is what in my control is how I pave the way for the future. So can I ask you, where would you say... Yo, that willpower comes from, like for me personally, it comes from my faith. Where do you summon yeah. the strength to get that willpower? Because I, I have to explain that many times in my podcast to people. So where would yours come from, would you say? Um, I guess it's in his memory because mm. our friendship was um, 
like our friendship was one thing where we have we have very deep conversations about our life and as people and he kind of way my like like therapist in a way I don't know like I would always have mental turmoil with certain things in certain family situations and fights and sort of stuff mm. but he would always be there to be my mental calm so because I don't have that anymore I hear him in my head it's it's bizarre but I hear him calming me down thinking okay take a step back think about what what's going on in front of you what do you want to do and how are you going to go about it mm-hmm. so um I guess he he kind of made me grow up as a person but also I don't have him to tell me what to do but I can envision what he was he would say to me if he was here so I guess he's like a guardian angel in some way. Mm. But willpower, I think, comes from that because I think to myself, okay, this is bad, this has happened, I'm really upset, I'm really sad, but why drive on emotion? Don't drive on emotion. I guess the willpower comes from that. Yes. Yeah. It, it, a lot of... Um, mm. it's, it's quite difficult to say because our friendship was very strong and very deep. Mm, I can relate to that. Because once yeah. you have um, a connection with someone, even when they're not there, you'd always tend to think, what would that person do? What would that person say? And that's the power of coming together, I think. Like when you're in unity or married to someone, you're more or less like one in a sense, one person. Yeah. And even when they go, they have to always have that influence on you. And even I yeah. find that even till today, when I'm, when, even when my children are being a bit silly, I will say to them, I didn't want like that, <laughs> something like that, you know, and it's like, or like, if I want to make a decision, I'm not so sure, I always remember what he would think, you know, even though he's been nearly 88, I always think, no, he wouldn't think this is, I won't condone that and stuff like that, so it's very powerful, those connections we make, you know, in matrimony. Yeah, yeah, yeah those connections are mm. just... You can't describe it. Yes, it's yeah. Bizarre, but yeah. It's that's really, why it's very yeah. painful. Sorry. That's why it's very... I still say to my audience, I'm not saying being a widow is easy and walking that road, but it is a, it's not an easy road to walk, but you get all the support you need. And this is what Divya and I are sharing today to encourage you. It's not easy, but you can make it. You know, Divya is here to testify that she's... Every day, it's in little steps, and you get little by little, you get stronger. You can't, yeah. I don't think you're meant to rush ahead of yourself, start thinking, where would I be in four years, five years? I think you just go day by day. But after a year or two, I see that in my writings, you should start to rise and start planning what you would like to do. Don't dwell in your bed for too long. Try and come out and so on and so forth. Okay, Divya, I'm going to ask you my final question. So mention okay. one specific vision you have for your future. Um, oh, wow, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, future, obviously, is very difficult to mm. see because, um, obviously, I'm not too far in this journey. Yeah. Um, but ideally, I would like to um, give my child the best life. Yeah. Um, get him into a good school. So what's the best life, um, would you say? What do you define as the best life? I guess the best life is just happiness. Okay. The best life is just to be happy. 
financially stable is mm. obviously a good factor to have. Yes, yeah. um, but as long as you're making ends meet mm. and you are happy. I mean, the thing is with money is money comes and goes. Mm. You can earn it, you can lose it. But happiness is something you you don't always get, mm. especially after loss. I think you can be happy in terms of like when you're with friends and when you're with family. Yeah. But ultimately, I go home alone. So mm. it's just finding that inner happiness within yourself as well first. So is that contentment? Before. Would you say it's kind of... Because I talk about... On one of my podcasts, I spoke about happiness and joy. So like for me, as a Christian, I relate to joy as something that is way beyond my circumstances. I just have the joy in spite of what my circumstances are. While happiness in the spiritual context is the momentary. It's momentary in terms of it can be many times based on our circumstances. And for some people, it might not be. It might actually blur into joy. As you say, it sounds like joy. So in spite of what's yeah. happening, when everyone's gone home, they, within you, you find certain thing that makes you calm and happy. Yes. You know? So it links that could yeah. link to contentment as well, couldn't it? Just yeah. being content. Yeah, I think it will be very... It'll take a while to get there. Mm. Yeah, but it's one step at uh, a time, isn't it? Yeah, one step at a time. I think it's more for me in terms of future is just um, making small steps Mm. towards the future. Making small structural steps, having some sort of direction. That would be the ideal. And then once you've got one stepping stone there, then you're going to put another and another and another. And then before you know it, you'll be building. Of course, yeah. Because sometimes, sorry, when you ask that que- when I ask that question, sometimes people, when you talk about the future, people always think about this massive picture. So I try and break it down that the future could be even tomorrow. Like, what's your plan tomorrow? So you're in all day today. Have you planned to do anything tomorrow? That is the future, isn't it? It's not always about this big thing 10 years away. If you can make small, short-term plans... That's what makes you strong enough to start doing long-term plans. But if you can't make short-term plans, you can never capture that future vision you have. Am I making sense? And I try and explain that in my emails and my podcasts. So when I talk about future, I don't think of something big. So now I'm going to play devil's advocate. So in terms of the future relationship, would you? is it something you would like in the nearest future or whenever to be in a new relationship? Ideally, I I would like to be in one. Yeah. I would like to move forward. Obviously, I am quite mindful of um, my feelings of fear, guilt versus my own needs of mm. having a life mm-hmm. um, and dealing with them not so young. You know, this is this is the thing in Asian culture where your son looks after you when they come of age and they look after their mum mm. or they stay with their mum. I kind of want my son to have his own life. I want him to get married, um, go to university, have his own children one day. Yes. But I don't want to ever be a burden. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I never want to have, mm-hmm. uh, give, like, kind of put on anything on my son. So I guess, yeah, so I would like to have, mm-hmm. I would like to have my own future, yes. yes. Myself, but also that he doesn't have to worry about me because I'm on my own. Mm-hmm. But, that, I mean, that would that would be ideal. I mean, obviously, like, thoughts with remarriage, and that's another thing. Dating yeah. is one thing, yeah. and then remarriage is yeah. another. I guess there's, like, lots of fear of reoccurrence of happening. Yeah, it's little steps, um, though, yeah. Yeah, it's a step. It's little it's like, steps, you know, yeah. It, it, 
Because yeah. marriage can be when you think about marriage. Sorry, when you think about marriage, it's like how we talk about the word future. It's like ooh, it's big because you're still yeah, in recovery. Big. If you're still going through yeah. waves of emotion, you don't. You, that's not really in the in your sight yet. So it has to perhaps be something where you're just making friends with people. You're engaging mm. again. You're going now and just having a simple, happy life social event with people. Because yeah. some people have even got to, people are still in stages where they don't even engage with anybody, just with their family. So it just mm. goes to show that gradually people start to engage, socialize. But it's all little steps, one day at a time, one day at a time. Yeah. 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 But it's important to believe. I think for me, from the moment it happened, I always said to myself, that I don't want to be on my own. I've always I've always thrived in a relationship. And I think, if anything, that's where my willpower to survive came from as well. So you can have the faith. I had faith in God. But my willpower also believed that. I still believe it's good to be in a relationship. Because that means it gave me a non-defeatist mentality. So that means yeah. I projected far enough to think, like, my children are going to grow up, as you rightly say, I don't want to clip their wings because when they feel they have to dote and take care of you, they always take care of you in the end anyway, indirectly. But having knowing yeah. that you have a friend, a companion, they don't worry so much. Yeah. If you, yeah. They that's don't. Right. So I think that's linked to what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So if you had one word to say to widows that are young, a young widow, one word to have encouragement to finish the this podcast, what would you throw out there? I would say perseverance and resilience. Um, obviously, it takes a lot to carry on. It's not easy, like yeah. you said. Um, but I guess lean on your family and lean on your friends. Don't feel like you're a burden because this is your time of need. Um, but, you know, you may not see it right now. There's like There probably will be a lot of fog. We don't know what it's called. Um, and everything is blurry. But don't worry about the future. Don't worry about what's what's uh, what's going on around you. Just try and focus on yourself and get yourself better mentally and physically better. Mm-hmm. But the only way you can do that is if you lean on, mm-hmm. especially if yeah. you have dependents like myself. Yes. Um, it, it's very difficult to do that and let go and just focus on yourself for a little while and be a bit selfish, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. So can I just say thank you very much, Divya, for coming today. We really appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners really appreciate you coming also. It just gives... I think it's very important to have these conversations because it gives the world... The widows out there some hope, especially when you're a young widow as well. I'm not saying the pain is different, but the perspective is different and our experiences are different at different ages. And the responsibilities are different at different ages also. So we're signing off now. This is Yemi that was speaking to Divya today from Widow Recovery Secrets. Remember, there's always hope after loss. And do dare to dream a new dream. And don't let anyone say you cannot have a new dream. Stay well and stay blessed. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.